morning, church. We're going to be in the book of Nehemiah today. You know, as we've been in this season, I was crying out to the Lord for a story, something that I could really sit in and that he could take me through to, to help me understand what um, he was saying uh, for me in these current times especially. And as I was hearing of uh, just hardship that was going on with a lot of the people that I knew. And so he brought me to the book of Nehemiah. Now, if you were at Cedars during the birth uh, of this church, hopefully you remember Jeff's message on Nehemiah and the building of the wall. And the participation actually was a lot of fun. The kids uh, had the blocks and they built those up. And it was a great time for us as a church community, a lot of fun. Uh, In fact, if you have kids with you today, uh, you might want to grab some blocks and have them interact during the message and be a good object for them. But in our message today, uh, you know, we are, there's a part of that uh, DNA from Cedars about our part from here to here, not the entire wall. Um, but there's more that we're going to dive in today as far as the spiritual battle that takes place for us. Now, a lot of times I see studies in Nehemiah on the amazing leadership that we witness in him. You know, he brought great reform. He dealt with internal oppression that was going on, uh, the reading of the law, Ezra was there, and also restoring right worship. And the people responded beautifully to the reform that Nehemiah brought. Now, our perspective today is going to be looking at the faithful building out of the rubble in the times of oppression and opposition. We're going to be focusing on that active faith and that unity that we have together in his church. So the title today is, Let Us Rise and Build. Now, it's one thing to say that when um, there's not opposition, but it's a whole other thing when we are facing uh, attacks and the enemy and taunting on every side, which is what they were going through at this time in the book of Nehemiah. Now, a little background on Nehemiah. Um, His name means Yahweh has comforted. Now, the people needed great comfort from their Lord. This is a time when they were in exile. In fact, Nehemiah was born into exile. And if you're not familiar with what happened with the, um, the kingdoms, the northern kingdom had fallen to the Assyrians. And the Assyrians came in, they displaced the exiles far away from their home, and they took other people to come and to settle the land that they have conquered. And the southern kingdom had fallen to the Babylonians. And then they came under the rule of the Persians. Now, they did the opposite. In order to gain favor with the people that they conquered, they permitted the refugees to return back to their hometowns and to rebuild their temples. And also, they asked them to pray then on behalf of that empire. So some of the Jews uh, under the Persian rule were already back in Jerusalem uh, at the time of Nehemiah. Now, Ezra under the Persian king Cyrus, um, had rebuilt the temple. And so the heart of worship was restored. But Jerusalem, which means the city of peace, was still in desolation and destroyed. So this is all happening. Just give you a little bit of context too, as far as timing. Uh, in 445 BC, this is shortly after uh, the book of Esther. So as we open up in Nehemiah, Nehemiah, who's in uh, Susa at the time, uh, serving the king there, his brother comes to visit with some other people, and he takes that opportunity to ask, how are the Jews doing who escaped and survived the exile? And this is their response. 
And they said to them, and they said to him, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. The people had no protection. They were not safe from the enemy. They were in insecurity. Nehemiah, as soon as he heard these words, sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting, he said, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. You know, sometimes it's easier for us when to distance ourselves, to move on from the things that are lost or the things that have been destroyed, the things that we long for, rather than move into that and allow ourselves to be cut to the heart. The right response is to allow that brokenness to take place and to bring it before the Lord, as Nehemiah did, to align our hearts with his, because he is the one who can comfort, and he is the one who can help. Now, Nehemiah goes into a long prayer, and I'm going to use an acronym here uh, for prayer, pray. (laughs) And the first uh, P would be for praise. Nehemiah opens up his prayer before the God of heaven with praise. He says, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Now this prayer comes from Exodus 34, 6. It's a prayer of Moses. Moses says there, he says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Right after that section of scripture there, it talks about the Lord's love and his blessings going on for a thousand generations. It is important for us as we come to our God to praise him, to recognize who he is, and to realize the great love that he has for us, to remember his covenant with us. Nehemiah goes on, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. And have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you have commanded your servant Moses. This part of prayer, the repentance, it is a part that many of us um, will want to skip over in our prayer time. We like to stay in the praise and the thanksgiving, but that repentance, that confession is necessary for us. Nehemiah was not denying the people's sin. They had disobeyed God. Their actions brought them to a place of severe consequences. They had slipped into apostasy, abandoning the commitment, forsaking the Lord's covenants. And this is painful. And it is painful for us to admit and to confess these things. But it is necessary. It is our only true healing and help before the Lord. And Nehemiah continues. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, 
Though you are outcasts in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Our God is a merciful and faithful God. He forgives sinners who turn to him. He is gracious and loving. The prayer goes on. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servant who delights to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah's prayer as he goes through praising the Lord and the repentance and then the ask, he lays it before him and he ends it with a confidence because he knows that he is praying the will of God for God's people. He is confident that God is going to answer that call. Now Nehemiah, as he was preparing to go before the king, needed favor before him. This would be the first time that Nehemiah was in the king's presence and that he was sad, which was a dangerous thing. You were not to come into the king's presence sad. He could lose his life, not just his, his uh, position, but his life itself was at stake. But he recognized that God provides, and he saw that the king was an avenue to help. Now, this is very reminiscent of the story of Esther as well. So Nehemiah comes before the king, and he inquires. The king inquires of Nehemiah, Why are you sad? It must be sadness of heart. So the king has mercy on Nehemiah and his vulnerability. And this is Nehemiah's response. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And then the king said to me, What are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Now I love this because this is a very short prayer. It's what I call a popcorn prayer. Right? We had the very long prayer of Nehemiah and then here in the moment he is afraid and he just prays really quick to the Lord. And in that, he lets the king know what he's requesting. He's requesting letters so that he has safe passage, that he would have time off of work so that he could go. And he's also asking him for provision from the king's forest to provide the timber that is needed for the rebuilding. And here in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Nehemiah this whole time recognizes it is the Lord who provides for him. It did not originate with the king, but God provided his blessings through the king. That must have been a sigh of relief for Nehemiah to know, to know that his cry before the Lord was answered in this way. And then he came to the governors. This is Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river, and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen, but when Sanballat the Hornonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly. Why? That someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Anytime we step out into the will of God, the enemy is going to have opposition. 
But Nehemiah's response to that, which I love, and I think we need to adopt when the enemy comes to taunt us, he says, so (laughs) I went. So I went to Jerusalem. Now I want to show you a map because Nehemiah traveled uh, far to get to the place uh, where his people were. So you, can, you might be able to see here on this map where Susa was, and then you see the arrow shoot to the west, and then uh, where the map expands there with Jerusalem. Now, this is important too for you to realize later on in the scriptures, we're going to hear about more of this opposition. And uh, Sanballat was up in the north, in the Samaritan area, and Tobiah was in the east. And we're going to hear of a man named Geshem, the Arab, who was in the south. So these enemies are surrounding uh, completely because off on the west, then you have the Mediterranean Sea. So Nehemiah, as he makes this journey over and he arrives, he didn't move in haste in his plan. He waited three days. He arose at night with a couple of men. He went and surveyed and he looked at the city, at the state of it. I can only imagine how hard it must have been for him to see with his own eyes the destruction that had taken place and the shame that the people were living in. But he had not yet uh, told the people who were going to be doing the work uh, what he was there for. But then he does come to them and he says, this is uh, verse 17 and 18, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God and that he had been upon me for good and also the word that the king had spoken over me. This is a critical time because the people had an opportunity to respond, to say yes, to believe it, or to say no and turn away and to remain in their shame and their answer. And they said, Let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Let me read that again. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. This is a powerful conviction of faith moving. They were convicted by God and they moved into it. They said yes to getting up out of the rubble. They said yes to rising out of their shame. They said yes to having faith that the Lord was with them and for them and will restore them. This is an intimate partnership of work that they are stepping into for their kingdom, for God's kingdom. It's a partnership with those who lead, but also for those who decide to take the risk by saying yes to the faithful work. They knew that they were not only partnering with a man, with Nehemiah, but with God himself on their behalf. Their Lord is faithful. Now, I just want to take a minute to summarize what we've seen. Now, in times of need, the Lord, he provides to us. But it is our job. We need to pray and ask him for those eyes to see what he has provided, to sit in it for a while, to bring it before God. And also, we need to know that when we do go God's way, we can expect that the enemy is going to increase his threats and increase the attempts to bring chaos to stop that plan. But remember, God is with us, even when we feel like we are surrounded. Now, Nehemiah's response to that that opposition was a conviction to resist it, to move forward, because he knew that God was the one who sent him. 
Now, I believe that this conviction for Nehemiah was strengthened because he took time in prayer and fasting before he acted. He waited on the Lord, and therefore he was confident in that call. And there is a call to rise and build, not alone, but a call in community, a people together, coming together for each other's behalf, for one another. God is faithful. He is with us. Now, as you hear this, this is what brought me into Nehemiah in the first place, is that I was just feeling like there were places in my own life and other people's lives that I was hearing where their walls of protection and safety were torn down. The enemy was having way too much easy access um, into our lives. And realizing that, you know, you may be listening to this message today and you may be thinking about places where you know there has been um, destruction, where you are sitting in shame. May you hear the word of God for you today. That he is faithful to you. To turn to him. And then also may you be faithful to him when he calls you to rise up out of that place and to build, but to not do it alone. We are together. Let us say, let us rise and build, and let us strengthen our own hands for the good work. Now, as they begin this, uh, the enemies take notice, of course, right? So in verse 19, but when Sanballat the Hordonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So they're bringing their taunts, right? But do know that when we stop paying tribute to the enemy and staying in our shame, that the fight is going to be on and it's going to increase. But God is mighty and he is strong. And the people knew that. Now, Nehemiah's response to that in verse 20, then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper, and we, his servants, will rise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Now, we have that choice to stay in complacency and apathy, right, under the the reign of the enemy, in, in a sense, or we have that choice to get out of that brokenness and to rise to the call of God and the identity that he has given to us and to stand and be strengthened by him. Right? So this is our choice. Our response gets to be, no, the God of heaven will make us prosper. And we are his servants. We will rise and build. Now, it starts, we're not going to read through uh, all of this uh, chapter 3 of Scripture, but I thought it was important here. We see that the high priest was the first one that rose up. He and his brothers, they built the sheep gate, they consecrated it, set its doors, and they went on from there. And it says, and next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, and next to them, and next to them. And we see this beautiful marking of all of the families and the people that united together to help in that building. And this is, you'll see this, you can go back and read it in chapter 3. And it included people who made perfume, priests, daughters, rulers, goldsmiths and merchants. Now you notice that it wasn't saying that all of them were craftsmen or all of them were um, fit for the work to begin with. No, this was everybody in the community getting up and doing their part. When we arise, God provides. 
no matter what our skill level or occupation. Can you just picture this unity amongst the people? And what this would do for them. You might have experienced parts of this if you have done something in a group like a missions trip and that bonding that happens. When we bond, when we build together, we are unified in that. But there is also some internal opposition that takes place that we have to address. In Nehemiah 3.5, it says that some of the nobles, they would not stoop to serve their Lord. That is just heartbreaking to me. Because the Lord himself stooped to the lowest place on the cross for us that we could be rebuilt and redeemed in him. Shouldn't we at least do what we can to stoop ourselves to a place of service to the Lord? Not about our position or prestige or clout or recognition, but it's about the Lord. May we not refuse to serve him. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Amen. Now the enemies continue to hear about what is going on, and they know that they are now actually building the wall. It is not just talk these feeble Jews are now actually doing what they said they were going to do. And they became angry and greatly enraged at the Jews. And they started to share this. And they started to um, speak even more harsh words amongst each other in the armies. Verse 2 says, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burnt ones at that? And then Tobiah jumps in and he says, Yes, what are they building? If a fox goes up on, on it, he will break it down, break down their stone wall. These taunts, the important thing is that we close off listening to the enemy and the taunts that he has against us. They're not worth our time. We are to focus on where God has called us to be. The response here, Nehemiah, in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunts and their own heads. Give them up to be plundered in the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. The point is, too, that God is our defender, It is not our job to take up a battle of the flesh against our enemy. We leave that job of defending us to the Lord himself who does it righteously. Our job is to say, so, and we go, and we build the wall. We go, and we do the call that God has for us. Although this very much so, and I did this on purpose in this message, there is a ping-pong effect back and forth that we are seeing in this message. And that is what it feels like in seasons of our life. But when we have the steadfastness in Christ as our rock, our Savior, our provider, our protector, we can remain steady through that, even though the enemy is wreaking havoc around us. Our job is to be in prayer in dependence on the Lord. So, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 6. So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together to half its height. 
For the people had a mind to work. They are one mind together, one heart. The security of one was the security of all. The peace for one was the peace for all. They were united in this. They were a kingdom people together. Now here we see that the enemy continues to advance again. And as the breaches start to close, they end up plotting against the, the Jews. And they want to come to bring confusion. So now the enemy is closing in. So a reminder, we must persevere. When God is doing a great work, we must continue in him and be strengthened. Their response again is, and we pray to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Our response is to continue to be prayer before the Lord when the enemy continues to attack. We are not to retreat, but we're also to be wise and put a plan into place. So, at that time, they were also dealing with um, some burdens that were taking place. The people were getting tired. And word got out to the surrounding Jews who were outside of uh, the wall of the kingdom that they needed help. And in verse 12, it says, At that time, the Jews who lived near came from all directions. So we can be confident, church, too, to know when the enemy seems to surround that we have the body of Christ to put the call out to, to come in from all directions. And Nehemiah, in chapter 4, verse 14, says this, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid because of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your home. Do not be afraid. Verse 15 says, When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, we returned to the wall, each his own work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction, and half had spears, shields, and bows, and coats of mail. Verse 18, and each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built, and the man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. This is key. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me, meaning he was with Nehemiah, watching over the work, watching over the people, watching over the wall for the time when the enemy might come near. And he said, verse 19, And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, The work is great and widely widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. Does this seem familiar to where we are right now? Do we feel in our work right now that we are separated and far from one another? This is what Nehemiah said. Verse 20, In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. We are not to think that we can unite together in a community for for only praise, for only joy, for only celebration, for, for hearing the word of God, but also for when we are under attack. 
Our job is to make sure that that trumpet is sounded so that the rest of God's people around us can gather in and help us in the fight against the enemy. We are not meant to fight the enemy alone. It is God first, but and then his kingdom with us. Allow that trumpet to be sounded on your behalf. For this battle that we fight, it's not against flesh and blood, right? It is against the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's from Ephesians. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that, and, and keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. Our battle cry, our building up of this wall of protection against the enemy, it starts with prayer. That is our job. We are not to get apathetic in that. We are to continue and persevere in prayer for one another. So, we labored at the work, Nehemiah 4.21. This perseverance in the midst of the battle, this being together knowing we are not alone, allows us then, under the covering of our God and his call, to continue to labor in the work, even in the face of opposition. It is Christ who protects us. The enemy cannot snatch us out of his hand. He is our strong tower and our refuge. And in remaining in him, we remain with each other because we are the body of Christ together. Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. That's actually, uh, the time of year would be August, so right now. (laughs) And when our enemy heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly to their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. You see, when we are faithful to follow God, when we are faithful to rise up to the call and to build. When we are faithful to hear that trumpet call on behalf of our brothers and sisters and we run and rally together to fight the enemy, when we are faithful to continue in the work of God, the enemy is brought to shame. Do you know, church, that we already have victory in Christ Let us not be fooled by the enemy's lies that we are to remain in the shame and brokenness. Christ paid the price for us all, already. We are to seek first the kingdom of God, of his righteousness. All these other things will be added on to us. We are to remain obedient to the will of God. Then God brings the victory. And the world will know, and the enemy will know, Satan will know that we are his, and that God is victorious and proclaimed in this world through our lives. Christ is our king, the king of kings. Jesus said in John 16, he said, I, meaning Jesus, have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Oh, city of peace, that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
He has already overcome what you are facing in your life. He has already overcome the enemies that surround you. And we are meant to be in this together. May we long for the things of God. May we let our hearts be broken for what breaks his, for sin and brokenness in our own lives, but also in the lives of others around us. Let our hearts be broken before the Lord, that we would pray in response to that brokenness, and that we would be united in Christ and in the body with each other, that we would rise up and build, resisting the enemy, that we would be persistent in our prayer and knowing that we belong to the one who loves us. And you know what? We belong to each other. Let me be clear. His victory, meaning Christ's victory, is our victory. Our victory in him is also his. And that means that my victory is also your victory, and your victory is mine, because we are united in him. This means victory over broken relationships, Victory over strongholds and addictions. Victory over the taunts of the lies. Victory over the wreckage of pride and greed and all kinds of sin. Victory over despair and separation. In this victory, the enemy is shamed and seen for the rightful place that he has, which is beneath Christ's feet. And we have victory in hope. We have victory in joy that goes beyond our circumstances. We have victory in reconciliation, victory in renewal, in peace. We will have victory in our suffering. We will have victory in our waiting. We will have victory in the moving forward. God is with us, church. May we rise up to his call and build, to have our hands, our faith strengthened by him, for the work of the kingdom that we are all a part of. May we be encouraged today to rise up, to be who we are called to be, to a God who is loving and gracious and merciful and kind, whose steadfast love for us goes forever and his blessings to a thousand generations. We are together in this church. If you need a trumpet sounded on your behalf, I encourage you, would you reach out for prayer? We have a button on our website. You can press it. You can put a prayer request in there, and we will contact you, yes. But also reach out to those that are near to you. Allow that vulnerability in those relationships to let them know your need. Let them battle with you in unity as we bond together in this building of God's kingdom. Let's pray. Oh, Father of heaven, we thank you so much that you are an awesome God and you keep your covenant with us and your steadfast love for those of us that keep your covenants. Lord, let your ear hear our prayer today. Lord, we know that you see our brokenness. You see the areas that the enemy has been allowed to come and to tear down and destroy and places that we are insecure and cannot have right living because we are not protected against the enemy. But Lord, let us know that you are our protection right now. Father, may we enter in to you and your peace and your rest. 
And Lord, then may we be strengthened in you to fight the battles that we fight against the enemy who you are already victorious over. Father, we thank you for for your forgiveness of our wrongs, Lord. That you are near to us. And we thank you, Lord, that you gave us the gift of each other. That we have fellowship in you. And we are not alone in this world. Holy Spirit, you dwell with us. But you also are the one who unites us all together. May we live as one in you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Church, we're going to take some time now to celebrate the communion of our Lord. That his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. That, what he did on the cross, broke the covenant that we made with the enemy and sin and freed us into the everlasting covenant that we have with him. So if you have some things in this time that you want to confess before the Lord, bring them to that table Let him speak to you and cleanse you with the blood that he shed for you that precious day.